This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you. And we are leading into week one, hard to believe, week one of the NFL season. We're going to talk some Vikings and then close out uh, because we do cover all uh, the major Minnesota sports Got to close out with some twins positivity as they are on the cusp of a playoff berth and uh, clinching the AL Central title here, hopefully soon within the next couple of weeks, and then uh, likely hosting a best of three first round wild card series. We'll get into all of that uh, first, though. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Football, uh, college football is back. NFL is about to be back. Baseball playoffs coming soon. Uh, it's uh, an exciting uh, time in the sports world, and things maybe are looking a little bit up uh, for Minnesota sports. So, very excited. Yeah, both are college teams, uh, USC and Notre Dame, respectively, doing well. And uh, maybe the week of that game, we'll talk more about uh, college football in particular. Uh, the Gophers beat Nebraska as well, st- sticking to the Minnesota theme. So, that was good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is a great time of the year. I think October is probably my favorite month of the year, but this is starting to lead into it, get the anticipation going. And then maybe the only other thing better or close to it might be March with March madness and baseball starting and you have NBA, NHL, everything going there, but uh, it's hard to beat October, I think. Yeah. And I think the uh, other exciting thing is, uh, you know, it's early in the college football season. So naturally people have come up with 15 quarterbacks that will be available for the Vikings to draft. next year. <laughs> we'll check back uh, on that in a couple of months uh, after people maybe, uh, have a larger sample size to really judge that. Yeah, I can tell you one who won't be available for the Vikings to draft, and that'll be Caleb Williams, because the Vikings are not going to be bad enough to be in the running for that number one pick. Um, Who knows? Drake May from North Carolina uh, looks good as well. But Caleb Williams is trying to win back-to-back Heisman trophies. It would be the first time ever for a quarterback. So long way to go for that, but... He's the likely well, number one pick right now. And and the Vikings, I don't think, are going to be in in contention to either get that pick themselves or even be close enough to trade for it. I don't know. You look at all these uh, all these predictions from so-called experts online and, uh, you know, none of they all think the Vikings are going to be garbage this year. Uh, you know, <laughs> they forget that, uh, you know, this uh, team has a, a lot of talent uh, and had a very successful first year under the new regime. But, uh, you know, what, what, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, Justin Jefferson would like a word. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think that's a bad thing at all for this Vikings team. Um, let them be underestimated, especially we're recording this on a Friday morning of week one. Last night, the Detroit Lions started off their season by beating Kansas City in Arrowhead, a little bit of an asterisk, Travis Kelsey out, Chris Jones out, but nonetheless, a huge win for the Detroit Lions. So their spotlight's only going to grow bigger and uh, more doubters will will come for the Minnesota Vikings uh, winning and repeating as NFC North champions. They have not done that, uh, by the way, since 08 and 09. So it's been over a decade since the Vikings have repeated as NFC North champions, and uh, we'll see if they can do that starting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, we could get into, you know, the the nuances of Tampa Bay. I think their defense is actually pretty talented. Um, shouldn't be a great team this year, but they have some big names on a, a very speedy defense uh, and some big names at wide receiver, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, we'll see what Baker Mayfield can do. We could get into all the nuances of that, uh, Matt, but plenty of other shows have done that. We have a different idea. We are going to kind of look at the season big picture and say, what is one thing on each side of the ball that could either propel the Vikings to a Super Bowl or sink the season? And by sink the season, let's just say miss the playoffs or, you know, miss the playoffs by a lot. So what's one thing on each side of the ball that could get them to a Super Bowl or sink the season? We'll start with the offensive side of the ball because the identity of this Vikings team really, until proven otherwise, is offense. And I'll start with one thing. Let's let's start on the positive. One, one thing that could get the Vikings to a Super Bowl 
on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I will say two big additions, Jordan Addison and Josh Oliver. Addison, for obvious reasons, um, Adam Thielen, Minnesota legend, he's going into the Vikings ring of honor at some point, clearly, but clearly had lost his step as well. Last year, we saw we saw his inability to get separation or get much after the catch um, last season, even though he was targeted a bunch. Jordan Addison, I went to a couple training camp practices and read a lot about it. You saw the shiftiness, the hands, the route running. It's it's at a level higher than you would expect, even from a first round rookie. And he's going to get favorable matchups across the board with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. When TJ Hawkinson came to Minnesota last year, Justin Jefferson, his his numbers exploded. You know, they they were keying in on him, couldn't do that anymore with TJ. But now you add another weapon on the field with Jordan Addison. And I think he's going to get favor, favorable matchups, especially early on. KJ Osborne might start over him early on, but I think eventually Addison will will develop into that third weapon, uh, maybe even the second weapon by the end of the year, but definitely the third weapon for, for Kirk Cousins on that offense. And um, that's going to be huge. And then Josh Oliver as well, because they clearly, clearly have placed an emphasis on the running game despite losing Dalvin. They're not going to be as explosive maybe in the running game, but they are going to be more committed to running the ball, I think, especially on third and short, being more physical, getting positive yardage, less loss yardage or no-gain runs with Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler and, and the rest. Um, C.J. Ham came back as well with a contract extension, but they went out and got Josh Oliver. Some people rolled their eyes at, I think it was three years, $21 million, although not all guaranteed, but still – to, to show that kind of commitment to a blocking tight end. He's the best blocking tight end in the NFL probably, but uh, I, I think his addition shows that they're going to be more committed to the running game. They're going to be able to close out games better. They're going to be able to extend more drives by utilizing that running game. Um, so I think because of, I think those two things, those two additions offensively could be what propels the Vikings to a Super Bowl. Matt, uh, what do you think about the offensive side? What could propel the Vikings to a Super Bowl. I like both of your selections, um, but I'm going to go with the interior of the offensive line. You know, they made a concerted effort to bring back, uh, you know, uh, Bradbury and to have all of the same people on the offensive line. And, you know, everyone who watched the quarterback documentary knows that Kirk Cousins took a lot of hits last year. And they won a lot of games and they played really well, um, you know, in spite of mediocre uh, interior offensive line play. That's maybe being a little bit generous, you know. So I think that the question is with the continuity and, uh, you know, having the same guys back um, another year under the system, are those guys going to step up and are they going to be able to, you know, protect Kirk better? because? Kirk has shown if he gets protection, he is so accurate and he is so good uh, that I think that they, that group taking a step forward will make this a top five offense in the league. I think the other elements you, you talked about um, could really be added wrinkles that will make it uh, a great success as well. Uh, but if that line uh, can really find a way to gel and step up and give him that little bit of extra protection, um, the the sky really is the limit for this offense with uh, you know a, a, a continuity at the uh, you know offensive coordinator position and in the second year of the KOC offense. I, I really like uh, the potential of that side of the ball. Yeah, I like what you said about the second year of the KOC offense. Also, I think Ed Ingram needs to take a leap if if that. If, if the interior of the offensive line is what propels the Vikings to Super Bowl and the continuity, I, I, I agree with what you mentioned, bringing all five guys back. When's the last time the Vikings have done that? Uh, Ed Ingram is going to need to take a monstrous step from his rookie year because he allowed too many pressures. He was okay as a run blocker. Too many pressures, though, and, and Bradbury still a little undersized. Cleveland was good first half of the year um, and, and as a run blocker all year, but 
his pass protection second half fell off. So those three guys, yeah. But especially Ingram being the youngest of the three. And I think something to watch is do they go after maybe like a Dalton Reisner who came in here for a visit after week one, a lot of guys still haven't signed because after week one contracts are not guaranteed. So it'll be interesting to see if the Vikings make a move either on the O-line or elsewhere after week one. Totally agree. Uh, Ingram's under a lot of pressure. Um, you saw the clips last year of uh, his big learning curve where he came up short. I think Cleveland's under a lot of pressure. Um, contract contract Yep. Uh, and, you know, I think there are a lot of people question whether he's going to be back or not, whether that play has been high enough uh, to do it. I mean, and, and people have, you know, us as fans have talked, you know, ad nauseum about the failures to really dr- address the interior line uh, in during the, uh, you know, the uh, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer uh, years, um, especially towards the end and how that impacted uh, the offense, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Quasi and KOC decided to double down on the continuity um, and I, and saying we have faith in these guys to take that step forward and we're not going to invest, um, you know, big resources here or, or make the, you know, the big trades. You know, they decided to bring Bradbury back. People, you know, he had a, a nice year, but I, I think people had generally going into la- uh, last year been disappointed in him. So very interested to see how uh, if this group can take a, a step forward like we need them to. Yeah, the tackles are much less of a concern. In fact, might be the best tackle tandem in the NFL. Brian O'Neill is coming off an Achilles injury, but all signs point to him being full go starting Sunday against Tampa Bay. And then Christian Derrissa is quickly developing into one of the best left tackles in football. Absolute, uh, absolute monster (laughs) on that left side. The blind side is really the least of our concerns because he's got it absolutely locked down. I will go, though, back to the offensive line, something offensively that could sink the Vikings and and really other than major injuries. And I have to go back to that offensive line because we saw last year this offense was good. It was top 10. I agree with with you, Matt, in order to get to top five, that offensive line needs to needs to give Kirk a little bit more time because he'll kill you. He's as good as anyone when he's protected. But the the key the key will be. If if the Vikings, it's something that could sink the Vikings, I'm sorry, something that could sink the Vikings is that interior O-line as well. Because we saw last year the pressure up the middle, and really on any quarterback, but especially one a little less mobile outside of that turning the corner in the Arizona Cardinals game for the, for the touchdown around the right side by Kirk. But he's not known for his mobility. He's gotten a little better stepping away from pressure in the pocket and but but he's not going to burst long long runs on you. He's not going to extend plays like Patrick Mahomes can and guys like that. Uh, so pressure up the middle, just you know, like it did for a guy like Tom Brady, that can kill you. And uh, we even saw Mahomes in the Super Bowl when they played Tampa Bay get flustered by the pressure up the middle that the Buccaneers provided. Uh, that could be something that sinks the Vikings um, and could lead to you know injuries as well. Um, but we saw it with Dexter Lawrence last year. A couple times the Vikings played him, including in that playoff loss to the Giants, how impactful he was. You know, they start right away with Vita Vea on the on the defensive line for Tampa Bay. There's so many good three techniques who can rush the passer, and the Vikings are going to do need to do a better job against those. If they don't, that's something that could sink the season because those types of guys can wreck games. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, you know, and uh, and any, you know, thing that we need to go right, if it doesn't go right, uh, you know, uh, to your point, uh, could really b- bring down this team. You know, I agree about, to your point about injuries, I, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, if if Kirk, who's never been injured in his career, gets injured, um, the, the trajectory of this team is, is really problematic, despite what, you know, others might think and say. Um, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, the flip side of what you said. Um, about Addison, which is we saw last year what a big difference having TJ Hawkinson made in opening up the offense, um, you know, and taking some pressure off of Justin Jefferson. I think it's going to continue to be that way. But we need a number two wide receiver to step up. I think KJ Osborne has been a nice player, a nice number three. He shows flashes of, of 
being able to come up and make big plays, but he's not shown so far um, that he is a, you know, a strong number two receiver. He's really got to step up or to your point, the Vikings have got to hit on Jordan Addison, not at the JJ level because, you know, he's a once in a generation player, but, but in a very good manner. And he's going to be able to have to step up and play right away. Uh, because otherwise, if they don't have, we saw with Thielen last year, uh, you know, taking a step back, as you said, you know, as, as wonderful as he is and, you know, the hometown hero that he will always be. Uh, if they don't have someone who can take pressure off of JJ and off of TJ, I think it's going to, it's going to cause Kirk to have to really force uh, the issue on things. It's going to really put pressure on the offensive line to execute better on the blocking and for Madison and Ty Chandler to, you know, take pressure off of the passing game and the run game. And you could see people really start to sell out on that run game, um, you know, a, a, to shut it down and, and force us into, you know, third and longs. Uh, so someone has to set up, step up as that third option, the number two wide receiver uh, to make it so that people can't just focus in on JJ and TJ. No doubt. Uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. One thing that could propel the Vikings to a Super Bowl. And, you know, it's hard for me not just to say Brian Flores because, and, and the unpredictability. I mean, that might have been the biggest offseason acquisition. He is, uh, he's so good at what he does. And I'm so excited to watch that defense and guys coming up to the line of scrimmage, the aggressiveness, maybe even not blitzing as much especially with a younger secondary early on but the threat of the blitz and not knowing where it's coming from saw just a little glimpse in that last preseason game of jay ward absolutely knocking the hell out of a cardinals quarterback there coming on an unpredictable blitz uh that that young rookie from from lsu with his blazing speed but we're going to see a lot of that they kept more safeties than than uh, normal six safeties more safeties kept than corners uh, so, you know, they're going to have a lot of a lot of those floaters like, you know, Josh Metellus and and Cam Bynum and Lewis Seen. And, um, you, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Harrison Smith. But speaking of Harrison Smith, instead of just saying Flores, system is what could propel the Vikings defensively to a Super Bowl. I'm going to pick on uh, I, I'm going to pick out two veterans, Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter last year had ten and a half sacks. But did he impact the game as much as you would like? No. They had him stand up too much as an outside linebacker. Not as much as some people thought, though, uh, but certainly miscast in Ed Donatel's system. I think Flores, you know, interesting, when he was hired, they asked him, are you going to play a 3-4 or a 4-3? And he said, who are we playing? You know, he's going to cater his defensive game plan to who they're playing, and he's also going to cater it to the players that he has. And he knows he has one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL when healthy. And Daniil was healthy all year last year. It was the two previous years that uh, he had the the health problems, but he's under contract now. He's playing in a contract year. Uh, they signed him to the to the one year deal, and he'll be a free agent at year's end. As will I believe Harrison Smith. Smith might have one more year, but but Harrison Smith. He's just rejuvenated by all accounts and reports. He's he is rejuvenated in the system. He's talking more than he than he has in quite some time. And he's a quieter guy, but he's be, being a more vocal leader this year. He's just so excited to play in this Flores system. That's why he came back. So I think those two guys really doing what they do best. Harrison roaming around, blitzing on occasion, you know, coming up to the line, backing off like we saw a lot. With, with Mike Zimmer when he would sprint up to the line and then quickly sprint back to his spot prior to the snap. Those two guys, Daniil, if he's one-on-one, -on -one, will wreak havoc against any uh, any tackle in the league, and Harrison Smith is a problem. They're going to have to know where he is at all times. So I think those two veterans uh, getting back to what they do best is what's, is something that could propel the Vikings defensively to a Super Bowl. Matt, what do you got there? I think those are great choices. I mean, everyone, I think, is in agreement um, and optimistic about the Brian Flores factor. It, it can't really get worse on defense. It's a question of how much better can it get and can it get better enough that with the offense taking a, you know, hopefully, you know, step forward to being more of that top five offense that now all of a sudden 
you know, everyone's talking about, well, the Vikings have to return, you know, back to earth in these close games. Uh, but the part of the issue is, is that they could never, you know, put their foot on the gas pedal to put games away. The offense would stall and the defense would let teams back in. Um, you know, and so the hope is, is that that's not going to happen again this year. And I, I think the big X factor on, on defense, I'm going to go sort of opposite side of you uh, from Daniil, which is I think it's Marcus Davenport. Um, there's no doubt that the guy has a ton of talent and has had injury issues. And that's that's why they were able to get him for a relatively reasonable deal, you know, one year deal. We saw when Daniil, despite, you know, not being used properly in, in Ed Donatel's system and all the issues with Ed Donatel's system last year, that the presence of Zadarius Smith did, uh, you know, opposite Daniil, create a lot of opportunities. And so we need Ma Marcus Davenport to step up to be able to be that other pressure point, that other playmaker you know, uh, you know, and getting pressure on the QB. And if he does that, it's really going to open up things for Daniil. It's going to open up other wrinkles and flexibilities for Brian Flores with all those other playmakers you talked about, with Harrison, you know, coming up to the line and making plays, with all these other safeties that they can throw at it, with these young, really super athletic linebackers that everyone thinks has a lot of potential. Uh, I think it really relieves a lot of pressure from them to be perfect uh, in their inexperience if Marcus Davenport is a stalwart opposite Daniil Hunter. So I, I think that, you know, he's playing for another big deal to prove his talent. Uh, and so if he can really step up and be that guy to take pressure off of Daniil, I, I think that this defense can take a big leap forward. Um, you know, they don't need to be top 15. But if they can get to being about, you know, the 20th ranked defense uh, and come up with big pressure plays, as Flores is known for, um, paired with the offense taking the step forward, we all think that they will, that this team could be really dangerous uh, to go to the Super Bowl uh, and potentially win. Yeah, agree with all that. Uh, let's move over to what could sink the Vikings defensively. And I, I'm torn between a couple of different things. I think certainly, certainly you could say you could point to the pass rush. If they don't get better pass rush than they did last year, that that could certainly sink them, especially with with a younger secondary. And that includes not just Davenport, as you mentioned, and Daniil, but pass rush up the middle. Harrison Phillips, Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry can rush the passer a little bit. We saw it in Green Bay, but he's a good run stuffer. They need production up the middle to stop the run as well. Um, so you could point to that defensive line, but I would say youth in the secondary could sink the Vikings. Uh, although I really, I really am optimistic about Byron Murphy and a Caleb Evans starting on the outside. And then when they go nickel, Murphy shifting inside and Makai Blackman, the rookie out of USC, coming in on the outside. They really like what he's done, but he's a rookie and he got hurt late in camp, didn't play in the latter part of the preseason. And then behind them, you have Andrew Booth Jr., who I don't think anybody wants to see on the field right now. He needs clearly more time to develop. And uh and Nikhil uh I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, Najee Thompson. Najee Thompson is the fifth corner. And Najee Thompson um, made made the team undrafted out of Georgia Southern. Great story. But he made the team primarily as a special teams ace. Uh, he He's not going to be on the field defensively if they can help it. So they're very thin at corner. They did keep Joan Williams on the practice squad from New England. Long arms, uh, big, tall corner. So he could factor in. You know, they could elevate him. But I think the they, they are very thin in the secondary, so any injuries could hurt. But I think the youth in the secondary, aside from Byron Murphy Jr., they're more athletic this year, but they're very inexperienced. So uh, that pass rush will be crucial in order to take some pressure off them. But I think the youth in the secondary could be what would sink the Vikings defensively. Matt, what do you go for on that side? Yeah, the I mean, youth and inexperience, I think, applies across the board. I think you're right about uh, the cornerbacks and the depth issue there. You know, I, I would add to it, I'm going to go with the youth and inexperience of the linebackers. 
um, you know, we knew that they had to get younger and faster across the board on this defense. And in particular, uh, at the cornerback position and, you know, in the linebacking core. And, you know, you've, you've got some just great athletes there, but they're inexperienced. I mean, you're going to, you're relying a lot on Brian Asamoah, who showed a lot of, you know, potential last year in flashes of being an athlete, um, you know, but he is, um, you know, still a second year player. Uh, you've got Ivan Pace again, and, you know, an, uh, an undrafted, um, you know, rookie that's, you know, people are expecting to take a big role in this. Um, but you know what the, you know, that is, you know, asking a lot of these guys and, you know, I, I don't know that, are we asking too much of them uh, and expecting too much of them? They're going to make mistakes. And so, you know, we, if those guys um, have too many mistakes and, and just aren't quite ready to gel and they're giving up big plays over the middle, um, and in particular in the past game or not, or not, you know, wrapping up and, and in that I'm uh, letting too many runs get to that second level. I think it's going to be really problematic. And, um, and this defense is just going to get gassed and, and gashed. Uh, and it's going to be a huge barrier for them taking a step forward. All right. So there you have it. One thing on each side of the ball that could either propel the Vikings to a Super Bowl or sink the Vikings season uh, last episode. We're, we're more on the optimistic side though, Matt, we, uh, we, we both in the last episode predicted 12 wins. So uh, quickly here though, let's, let's move on. And, and by the way, if you want to go back to that last episode, we went through each and every game, did brief analysis on each game and, and each came up with, uh, with 12 at, at the end of the day. Um, Let's let's move on though. One other Vikings thing I want to talk about was is the TJ Hawkinson contract extension. He's at least for the time being the highest paid tight end in the game. And I think if you look at his age, I mean he's still in his mid twenties. So compared to you know Kelsey, I think it's thirty three now. You know some of those some of those guys, Mark Andrews, they're they're getting older, and, and TJ is just hitting his prime years. I mean I think he'll be a free agent at around twenty nine. Um, or 30. So uh, again, uh, he'll be a free agent. So, you know, I think this was a great move for the Vikings. We saw, I mentioned earlier in the show, when he came on, Justin Jefferson's numbers exploded. Teams were clamping down on JJ. I think of that Lions game early on when Jeff Okuda was really physical with him. Okuda no longer on the Lions, but they, they held him down in that game. A couple other teams did the same, but when TJ came, they couldn't do it anymore because they couldn't leave TJ wide open over the middle of the field. Um, and he, he made teams pay for doubling and tripling JJ as they did. Um, so I, th- I think the TJ contract is great. I think JJ is probably next up, but uh, Paul Allen, the voice of the Minnesota Vikings uh, and KFAN FM 100.3 in the twin cities, he has continually over the past you know week or so since this TJ extension was announced and even before that, he has repeatedly banged the drum on this point, they that they are signing their catchers, to use a baseball analogy, before their pitchers, or before their pitcher, and that being Kirk Cousins. So they're signing the guys, assuming the JJ extension gets done here shortly, which by all accounts it should, they're signing the guys who will be catching the ball before they know who will be throwing it to them beyond this season. Kirk Cousins is a free agent after the year. The reports were he would take a discount before the season, but the Vikings decided not to do that. Uh, will they come back to him after the season or even during the season and, and try to get something done? I don't know. Both Matt and I, I think, are are very high on Kirk, especially second year in the in Kevin O'Connell's system. Those two work extremely well together. Kirk and JJ have great chemistry. Kirk and TJ do. Um, we'll see if KJ Osborne's on this team beyond this year. Probably not. He may need to get paid, but uh, Jordan Addison certainly will be, and he's on a rookie deal. So, you know, we'd love for this team to bring Kirk back, but my standpoint is it seems like they are obsessed with getting a QB in here on a rookie deal, but the problem is they're not going to be bad enough 
to draft either Caleb Williams or Drake May one or two, or even make an aggressive trade up for that position. Um, even if they were to offer someone like JJ, I'm not sure that that would be enough even to get it done because the quarterback's more important than the star wide receiver. Uh, you know, if you're trying to find a young guy. So I'm a little worried about that heading into the season. I think it's a big talker about what they're going to do at quarterback. They've got to have a plan in mind. They might like one of those, you know, guys, apparently, you know, seven, eight quarterbacks could be taken in the first two rounds. They might like a mid first round or early second round guy and have their eye on somebody, but there's no guarantee they'll be in a position to get that person uh, more likely that than Caleb Williams. But still it's a concern heading into the year. I think for me, in terms of who will be throwing JJ and TJ the ball beyond this year. I, you know what? I, I get that point. I think that number one, they had to do this extension with Hawkinson for this very conversation. Not only is he young and is he good um, and the have the, per, he has the perfect physique for the modern NFL when it comes to tight ends. And that's become such a huge part of the game. Um, you know, so I, I think he is worth the money. Um, and I think that he, you know, as you said, was so critical to the offense taking the step forward. I, I think the reality is, is if they're going to move on from Kirk in the near term future, they need to have the weapons uh, and protection around whoever they bring in, in order for that person to be successful. You know, these young quarterbacks, a lot of them come into the league, maybe have good talent, but they're not surrounded by any talent. And so they, they look often worse than they are situations matter. And if we do draft a quarterback in, you know, this next year, uh, if you had Darisaw signed to a long-term contract to protect your blind side, and you had JJ signed to a long-term contract and TJ and a young Jordan Addison, that's a good core for a young quarterback to come into, even if they're the, not the top pick. I, you know, so I, I think that this is the right move. I think that they probably are going to look to get a young quarterback on a rookie deal, but I think that that doesn't preclude. I, I still feel confident that they're going to work something out with Kirk. He keeps saying all the right things. Uh, maybe, you know, certainly not before the season here, but come the end of the year, I think they'll try and sign him to a, you know, a, a two year deal to buy some time with the, you know, idea that they're going to draft a young guy for him to groom and take over. And let's be very clear. This there's been this message from some people, including Kevin Seifert, who, which is just shocking for me that Kirk, it's unclear if Kirk would have a market for himself last year or next year if the Vikings didn't want him, that he might have to be a backup. That is the biggest crock of shit I have ever read. It's ridiculous. This guy is a top 10 quarterback. He'll continue to be a top, you know, durable top 10 quarterback for a few more years. Um, but, you know, this is a good move by the Vikings, and we'll hope that they'll address Paul Allen and yours and my concern on the quarterback position going forward to keep it going. Oh, totally agree, and I uh, love the passion there. Um, yeah, normally Seifert's spot on. I don't know where he's getting that information. Uh, because there's plenty of teams, I think, who would line up for Kirk's services, most notably the 49ers or possibly the Rams uh, moving on from Stafford after the year. But uh, we'll see. There's, that's, a, that's a long way away and uh, hard to predict right now. But hopefully Kirk is a Viking until the end of his career and uh, he can bring a Lombardi to Minnesota for the first time. Shifting gears to the Minnesota Twins, Matt, the, they are on the cusp of a playoff spot. The Twins, a lot of people were concerned about this stretch they had uh, facing Texas and Cleveland at home and then going on the road to Arlington and to Cleveland to face the Rangers and uh, Guardians respectively again. But uh, they come out of it. Uh, they, at home, uh, took three of four from Texas, lost two of three to Cleveland, and that's what gave the Guardians some hope. They picked up a few uh, pitchers on waivers who the twins might've had their eyes on, but then uh, the twins go to Texas, take two of three from the Rangers and take two of three from the guardians to nearly seal the American league central uh, a sweep really would have put the nail in the coffin. Cleveland's uh, still breathing, but just barely. And uh, as we talk here, uh, we're recording this on a Friday. They lost uh, in Anaheim last night to the angels and they were up to nothing in that game lost three to two. Uh, they were up to nothing late and lost three to two to the angels. So uh, the, the twins very close to clinching the American league central, they will in almost all likelihood be 
the third of the three division winners in terms of record, the three seed, which means the top two seeds get buys. The twins will have to play in that opening wild card round, but the positive is that they would get all three or two or three. It's a best of three series games at home and uh, their likely opponent. You know, it's anyone's guess right now because the AL West is a three horse race between Seattle, Houston, and Texas, Texas, is really plummeting right now. They might miss the playoffs entirely, but so could the other two teams if they have a bad stretch. A crazy race right now in the West that seems to change every day, but Toronto also in the mix. So it's probably going to be one of those four teams. Boston has fallen further out of it. Uh, so barring something remarkable, they'll probably not be in the postseason. Yankees, this is probably the biggest positive for the Twins and their fans. Won't have to face the Yankees this year. They might uh, finish under 500 for the first time, I heard the other day, since 1993, potentially. Uh, right now, uh, as we record this, they are 70 and 70. But uh, but the Twins probably going to face, at home, either Houston, Seattle, uh, Texas, or Toronto. And then they would, if they win that series, they would uh, face the winner of the AL West Baltimore or, or Tampa, whoever wins the East would probably end up with the best record in the AL. So they will be the one seed, but if the twins were to make it out of that wild card round, they would then go on to face in the division series, likely the AL West champion. So um, I think in terms of teams you want to face, it's probably anyone other than Houston uh, would be my first preference. You don't want to face them. They are really coming together nicely, getting everyone healthy and primed for another world series run potentially. And, they feel like they can do it for a second straight year under Dusty Baker. Uh, but I think anyone else, there's pluses and, and minuses. Um, we, we can certainly go over that. But uh, I, I think Texas, certainly you just beat them five games out of seven. But they could come at you with Max Scherzer in game one, who did dominate you twice in the last couple of weeks. And, and Jordan Montgomery, a lefty in game two. The Twins hit well uh, recently, but... Uh, the Twins have a ton of left-handed bats in that lineup, and they have struggled against left-handed pitching for much of the year. Um, so we'll see. But <laughs> the flip side of that, Royce Lewis is playing at an extremely high level right now, blossoming in to, to the superstar we we all knew he could be when he was the number one pick back in, in 2017. I got to cover him up close uh, in Fort Myers when I was the broadcaster there in 2018 and, uh, and 19 A-plus kid. Uh, a plus talent and and you're seeing it right now with uh, three grand slams in a matter of uh, just over a week uh, that he hit so pretty amazing what Royce Lewis is doing right now Jorge Polanco's picking up his game and I think Matt what uh, would gives obviously you know you have the negativity of the 18 straight playoff losses and some Twins fans I think have lowered the bar to say oh if they can just break the streak I'll be happy you know they're they're not a great team this year they're probably going to win a mediocre division uh, might be the worst division in baseball. So, you know, if they can just break the streak, I'll be happy. To me, that's setting the bar too low. Uh, this team is more talented than that, and they'll have all three games uh, at home. So, you know, the bar should be that you expect them to win a, a home playoff series against another fairly, you know, ordinary team. None it, Now, if they play Houston, that's a different story. But if they play one of the other three teams, I think you can certainly – expect them to win that series. If you're a twins fan, you should expect that. And, and I think what gives you a little more optimism is in addition to, you know, Lewis Polanco catching fire, Max Kepler has had an outstanding second half of the season. I think he was maybe a day or two away from being released. He was hitting under 200 striking out a ton, uh, not giving uh, Max effort on the base pads had to have a meeting with Rocco Baldelli. And, and I think he was very close to being released. Uh, which which would have been, you know, a big statement for for a longtime twin who they signed to to a long term deal just a few years ago. But Max has been sensational in the second half, both offensively and defensively, hitting nearly 300, hitting for a ton of power. Uh, he's fast on the bases, so you know, and and excellent defensively in, in right field. So, um, but but I think what gives you optimism is also the starting pitching. You know, you're going to throw out there. Um, I, I would. Hope they go with Sonny Gray in game one, but, you know, any combination of Gray Lopez and probably Joe Ryan um, in, in that first series, maybe Kenta Maeda, we'll see. I think that that remains to be seen. But, you know, the bullpen does worry me a little bit. And I, I think 
the, let's just start with the optimism and then I'll say what I think what the twins need to do here in these next three weeks to make me more optimistic, but that would be my optimism. The young guys uh, like Royce Lewis, like Max, uh, Matt Walner, who have helped carry like Edward Julian, who have carried the team in the second half combined with veterans like Kepler and Polanco putting it back together. I don't know what you can expect from Byron Buxton. If anything in the playoffs, he may not even be back. Kirilov should be back here very shortly. So I think, the offense coming together nicely, and then that starting rotation is what uh, gives me a little hope heading into the postseason that maybe this can be more than a, a short-lived playoff stint. Uh, you can count me as one of those people that will just take breaking the streaks. <laughs> I, on the different page than you, I know you follow. Uh, baseball's your sport, um, you and that you know uh so much more about this team and this game and the farm system and and have seen these guys play um you know starting with their minor league careers i i I am excited about the young players and the future there uh but and and i i can't agree with you more about max max kepler i i've been very critical for him for of him for a few years now it's great to see him doing what he's doing and that's been a big boost to this team um, but the reality is, is that this team is still just a little bit above 500. Their division is terrible. Uh, they have not had guys that can put a full season together that is very inspiring. Uh, even people like, you know, Joe Ryan starts out well and has fallen back down to, to earth. You know, you know, Pablo Lopez doesn't start well, but then start your, but now starts to play better. It's just everything about this team is middling to me. It still is. I've got the bullpen concerns like you do. The reality is, is, you know, Sonny Gray has been, you know, very solid for them, but he is still a number two. He is not a number one. And I am so freaking tired of this team not having a true number one when they go into the playoffs. There is not anyone who makes me sit there and has confidence that this is going to be the guy. The team's back is against the wall. They're looking at being swept again. They're going to go out and have a man performance and win this game. And, and, and break the streak. And so for me, I, until they show that they can do that, I, I'm just not going to have much excitement or faith in this team. Um, you know, I, I got to give you props. The Buxton deal has proven to be a disaster. A disaster. He's a great talent. You know, there were lots of reasons to, to justify trying to keep him, but he's not playing in the outfield. He's not staying healthy. All he's doing is striking out and hitting home runs. It is very much like the Miguel Sano you know, trajectory with, with someone with a lot more talent, you know, and, and, you know, thank God we have Royce Lewis playing so well and Matt Walner, you know, showing, you know, promise and, and Julian, as you talked about, um, but the bullpen is still an issue. The lack of an ace is still an issue. And I just, I cannot look at this team and expect that those bats are not going to go cold. Like they always seem to do in the playoffs with young and experienced guys and guys that are not living up to the deals that they signed in Correa and Buxton. So count me as I will take a win, but I have very little faith, regardless of who you play, that this team is is really going to do much in the playoffs. I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, but, and it would, but to your point, it'd be a disaster if they face the Astros in the first round. Yeah, that would uh, <laughs> it'd make it less likely to win, let alone uh, or, or let alone break break the streak. But but I mean. Um, I, I don't disagree really with much of what you said. Um, I, I think, yeah, Buxton, I, I, you know, as you said, I wasn't a fan of that deal from the beginning. You can't have a fran face of the franchise player who's out as much as he is um, through much of no fault of his own. But um, zero game, if you had told me Buxton, think about this. Matt, and this this speaks to the young players stepping up and the starting rotation, and, and for parts of the season, the bullpen too. The if you had told us Byron Buxton would play zero games in center field, and when he does play for much of the season, bat under 200. He picked it up a little bit before he, he got hurt again, but miss a lot of time and not be very effective. And Carlos Correa would be, you know, middling, batting around 220, 230 for most of the year. Now, he is suffering from plantar fasciitis. from, And I've never had that, but I'm told it's very painful. And he's playing through it because he thinks his team needs him. And to his credit, defensively, he has been gold glove caliber. He has been elite defensively at shortstop. 
So that is what you're getting, at least from Correa, at a premium position that you haven't gotten from Buxton. And thank God for Michael A. Taylor, who has come in and played exemplary defense and provided 20 home runs at the bottom of the lineup. So he has done a lot more than he was signed to do. Uh, so give him credit. Willie Castro as well has been a revelation, uh, stealing bases. Taylor's done that too. Um, so they, they've, they've filled in for Buxton admirably. But, you know, no, you haven't gotten anything from him. And, and Correa, hopefully, you know, we've seen a little signs here the past few weeks. Maybe he's turning it around, had a big hit in the 10th inning in uh, in Arlington uh, last weekend to to help win that game for the Twins. But, but no, I, I mean, I think the... Those those two guys have not produced, and and good thing the young players have because you haven't gotten much out of those young guys. Uh, to your point about Michael, yeah, I just, who would have thought? I mean, to your and to your broader point, you would have thought that this team was an absolute disaster when their leaders in war are <laughs> Ryan and Michael A. Taylor. I mean that 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 should what not. Whose name you said? Uh, uh, Ryan Jeffers. Yeah, no, he's been really good. Yeah, so that, I mean, that it speaks to um, some of these other guys stepping up that have been able to carry this team why their superstars have not. And, you know, the only caveat I would add to my rant about the lack of faith in this team or chances of them having much success is the fact that They've done this without their superstar stepping up. And Carlos Correa is experienced in the playoffs. Um, you know, yeah. if Buck could just stay healthy and get his head right um, at the plate, then, you know, then maybe this team could show a little bit of promise. But we've, we've, there have just been so many ifs about this team that have not come together year after year that I just, um, it's hard for me to be, excited about their prospects no i'm glad you mentioned jeffers though because he's another young guy that's stepped up he's been he's had a tremendous season offensively he made some major adjustments in the offseason to his swing and, and and those have paid dividends um he's improved his defense as well still the throwing to me isn't isn't the, the greatest but it's it's improved uh but they signed vast they signed christian vasquez pretty much to be the everyday catcher that's another veteran who sure doesn't have the expectations of a Correa or Buxton, not even close, but they did expect him to do much more than he has. And Jeffers has kind of uh, bailed them out at the catching position. So it's another young guy who stepped up and, and helped uh, keep them in, in the race and elevate them to first place. Last point, and I think this is what the Twins need to do here, aside from just finishing this thing and, and clinching the Central, but going into the postseason, if they want to have any chance, this bullpen has to be better than it has. John Duran, for as good a stuff as he has thrown 104 miles an hour, um, I think I, I heard something that he's thrown like 13 of the 14 fastest pitches in baseball this year. It's it's just unbelievable uh, what what this guy does. You know, splinkers, uh, you know, the split change at, at nearly 100 miles an hour, upper 90s the power curveball. I mean, he, he's got it all. Uh, no, no question about that, but he's been hit and his, his control has not been as great either. Um, since really, you know, mid May, uh, he hasn't been as good. Griffin Jacks has kind of been on a roller coaster, but you know, he's had a, a very solid season. I think you've got to trust those two guys, but to me, the number one goal of the next few weeks is find guys you can trust out of that bullpen. Because now, and Rocco Baldelli needs to manage differently in the postseason than he's done in the regular season. And he didn't do that against the Yankees in 2019 when they when they made the playoffs. In, in game one at Yankee Stadium, his first guy out of the bullpen was Zach Littell. He was bringing in Cody Stashak in key situations late in the game. You know, if they were down even by one run uh, late, he wouldn't use any of the high leverage guys. I don't think he used Taylor Rogers or Sergio Romo in either of the first two games. And, and the thing is in the postseason, and this goes for a best of three, certainly in a best of five, when you're only playing two days and then having off days, many more off days in the playoffs, you use your high leverage guys nearly every game. I mean, you wear those guys out. Um, you, 
you you don't go to anyone you don't trust um, if possible. So they need to find as many guys as they can trust out of the bullpen. You have to go with Duran and Jacks late in games, but also the leash on starters is not as long in the postseason. And I know Twins fans don't think it's long enough in the regular season for for some starters, but. You know, they have let starters go a little deeper this year. Sonny Gray, maybe not as much as, as you would like to see, but, you know, his numbers going through the order a third time haven't been great. So we'll see if they they, they did leave in Sonny the other day. Uh, Rocco came to the mound, trusted him, and, and left him in, and it paid off. But, you know, the, generally, the leash on starters are shorter in the, in the playoffs. So you've got to find guys, including – guys who have started games for you in the regular season that you can trust out of the bullpen in the postseason. That might be somebody like Kenta Maeda who did it in the, did it very successfully granted a while ago for the Dodgers uh, coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs and throwing gas. And now he might not throw gas anymore, but could he be a bullpen arm for you? Cause starters will throw harder when they come out of the bullpen and have to throw fewer innings. Could Bailey Ober who got sent down to, to the minor leagues, you know, they're trying to rest him, I think. He's thrown more innings than he has uh, ever in his career. Could he be an option for you out of the bullpen? They need to, to find starters who can pitch. Louis Varlin, they just converted into a reliever at St. Paul. He throws absolute gas as a starter, and I'm sure as a reliever as well. So they need to find maybe any combination of those three guys any of their current relievers can feel bar round back into form. Can this Cody Funderburk, the young lefty who's looked promising so far, can he be a guy you trust? I think that's what you try to figure out later in the season. And you don't use guys you can't trust in close games in the postseason, if at all possible. And you use your top guns almost every single game. That's what they need to do. Find as many trustworthy arms in the bullpen as possible going into the postseason. Final thoughts. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I agree with you on the bullpen. They've just, they've got to, someone, someone in that bullpen has to step up to be, uh, to really in a clutch situation, uh, you know, come up big for the Twins. And they, that hasn't happened in the past. Um, you know, similarly, a starter has to step up and say, this is, this is my game. I'm, I'm taking this over. Um, and they're just, um, you know, the, the Twins have repeatedly not been able to find that person in those clutch situations that can step up and do it. So um, let's hope that one of the guys you mentioned uh, will be able to do that. Kent Maeda has certainly shown that he, he can do that in a relief role uh, when he's with the Dodgers. So um, uh, still count me as a skeptic, but hopefully uh, uh, I am wrong. Well, and, and the last thing I'll say is you need to get guys to do things they're not accustomed to doing. Uh, so John Duran, at times he's pitched multiple innings. He might need to do that more in the postseason. Griffin Jacks might need to give you more than an inning uh, because you'd rather lean on your top guys than bring in guys you don't trust. Um, I, I, I didn't even mention Emilio Pagan. We still get nervous. Many Twins fans get nervous, myself included, when he comes into the game with the lead. However, we have to mention he has had a very good bounce back season. And he is a guy you need to, you're going to need to rely on. You don't have as many power arms as you'd like out of that bullpen that you can trust. So he's a guy who you're going to need to rely on. He's had a good season and let's hope he can keep it going into the postseason. That'll be it for us on this episode of the Martian Macho. That was fun. Great time of the year. As we mentioned at the top with uh, football starting and the baseball playoffs on the horizon college football in full swing as well. That'll do it for this episode of the Martian Macho. For Matt Gallivant, I'm Marshall Kellner. We will talk to you next time. And until then, Skull Vikings, go Twins, and uh, have a great weekend.